X-Talks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. This week on the show, we're discussing alt-meat companies suing each other over intellectual property. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the X-Talks Food Podcast. I'm Sydney Perlmutter, Senior Food Industry Journalist and Webinar Moderator at xtalks.com. And this week, I'm joined by Aisha Rashid and Vera Kovacevic. Thank you for coming today. So I'm going to start us off with um, a really interesting story about several alt mead companies that are suing each other over intellectual property. So the first set of companies that are doing so are Meaty Foods and the Better Meat Co. And these are two fungi-based alt meat companies that are currently embroiled in a legal battle over their alt meat intellectual property. So the former Meaty has accused Better Meat of stealing its mycelium harvesting tech, uh, while Better Meat has accused Meaty of damaging its reputation and fundraising efforts in a separate lawsuits. So Meaty, which was founded in 2015, is a Colorado-based uh, company. And they claim that a former employee of theirs, Augustus H. Patillo, went to work for California's Better Meat, which was founded three years later in 2018. And they claim that he took a proprietary mycelium meat fermentation technique with him. But on the other hand, Better Meat is accusing Meaty of undermining its, its uh, intellectual property in order to ruin fundraising efforts. So although neither of the companies uh, submitted their mycelium techniques to the FDA for approval, the dispute has now been uh, taken to court in two separate lawsuits. So the first concerns Better Meat's attempt to gain ownership over the intellectual property. And like I said, the second is Meaty's claim to the same, with both companies accusing the other of misappropriation and underhand behavior. So Meaty was first made aware of the potential intellectual property infringement after a U.S. patent was granted for to better for the fermentation method, methodologies using mycelium, which is the vegetative part of a fungus, to make meat alternatives. So the former employee, Patillo, um, the former Meaty employee, was named as the inventor of the fermentation technique, which led to Meaty's lawyers initiating an accusation of intellectual property theft. So according to evidence that was submitted, Patillo was aware and actively engaged in the development of mycelium harvesting with a view to future food developments. So Meaty co-founders Dr. Tyler Huggins and Dr. Justin Whiteley claim that the patent includes confidential research information that could have only been gathered while working for Meaty. But in response to those accusations, Better Meat has claimed that no evidence has been supplied and that Meaty is simply attempting to bully a less funded rival to maintain a monopoly over the fungi-based alt-meat sector. So Better Meat asserts that Meaty would have filed its own patent had it invented or been developing mycelium, mycelium as a meat replacement. And this whole trial just uh, reminded me of the whole Facebook scandal Um you know, who actually invented Facebook, 
Anyway, just reminded me of that. But both cases are still ongoing. Um, Better Meat told another news outlet, Food Navigator, regarding the case that it filed the suit because it won't stand by idly while a company with no patents spreads fiction in an effort to take our patents and slow our growth into uh, the marketplace. And Media responded by telling the same outlet, while we value fair competition, theft is unacceptable and it's crucial. Media do what is required to protect its hard work, employees, investors, and the integrity of the entire alternative protein industry. Now, this isn't the only lawsuit that's going on in the sector. So there are two other rivaling alt-meat companies, and you've definitely heard of one of them. So the court action that is going on is very reminiscent of the ongoing lawsuit between Impossible Foods and Motif Foodworks over alleged copying of alt-protein food technology. So Impossible filed a lawsuit accusing Motif of intellectual property infringement connected to its patented heme ingredient. And at the same time, Impossible is seeking damages and injunctive relief. So this lawsuit states that Motif's development and commercialization of its product Hemami, which combines the words heme and umami, infringes Impossible's patent, which was obtained in 2020 by using the iron-bearing protein molecule heme and making it available for large scale distribution. So I'd never heard of heme before, but it is a soy legomoglobin additive that gives impossible foods, um, their, their alt meats, uh, the taste and smell and allows them to bleed, quote unquote bleed. And impossible claims that this gives its products, you know, a unique selling point and has helped it carve out a niche in the alt meat sector. And in response, a Motif spokesperson stated that the lawsuit was nothing more than a baseless attempt by Impossible Foods to stifle competition and vowed to fight the claims. So these two lawsuits, um, pretty interesting. It really made me, you know, think about the sector as a whole and where the technology is going and who truly has, you know, the right uh, over which technologies and patents and um yeah i just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this um do you think we'll be seeing other lawsuits let's say in the um lab grown meat sector or even now the lab grown um dairy sector with cow free milk um yeah what do you make of these different lawsuits yeah, who knows? And, you know, I think I've always wondered this about the food industry. It's kind of like an employee, if they're working at a company, let's say Starbucks or KFC, and, and you know, how much of that infor- information, you know, do they take with them when they leave? So it's it's very interesting um, that these kinds of cases are coming up um, at this level in terms of, you know, these big companies in the alt-meat sectors, because innovation is is critical and is, is what drives these kind these, you know, alt meat um, industries. And so that's very valuable technology. And um, even though the, um, Meaty has a patent over its, over this particular technology, it, it's interesting that the other company is, is, uh, is uh, fighting like, um, or is accused, sorry, of, of stealing this um, uh, sort of information or recipe for their alt meat, but it's, it is problematic, and I wonder if there, you know, are like specific NDAs or something that apply here for employees. Or I'm sure there are, if especially on the R and D side and things like that. But it's very, very interesting and raises so many questions in terms of mm-hmm. you know, privacy, security, and, and all of these issues. 
That's right. I mean, everyone wants to be the first, right? Everyone yeah. wants to be the first with the most innovative technology. And of course, um, you know, there's so much competition in this sector too, because, you know, they believe that this is the future of the food industry. So everyone is fighting to be the first um, to claim it as their own. Um, but it's not that simple when there's so much competition. Yeah, I think companies will always be suing each other regarding like IP and patents and um but this is kind of like the one of the first ones I've seen in uh, this sector of the food industry so it's going to be very interesting how they reach an agreement um I hope we can still follow the story when uh, the case is closed and Sydney will tell us uh yeah. what the agreement was I'm very interested to hear that in the future sure. but I I did see that the that they filed the lawsuit um, somewhere sometime in December. So I think that was over three months ago now. So. Mm -hmm. And the Impossible Foods and Motif Works one is, is very recent. I think it was just sort of initiated last week. Uh, so that's a pretty recent one as well. I just thought it was so interesting that two alt two sets of yeah. alt meat companies are in embroiled in legal battles right now. Um, yeah, which really makes me think that you're right, Vera, that they won't be the only ones, especially, you know, like I said, with, with cultured meat and, you know, dairy as well. Um, and I also wonder whether, um, you know, claims will be questioned of the world's first blank, um, cause so many different companies can claim that, but once they actually go to market, um, there can only be one world's first something. Yeah. So I wonder if even words that are going to be used are going to be, uh, you know, just ripe for, for lawsuits. They very well could be. It's, it's crazy because the marketing is huge right around these products and in, in the food industry in general. So it's like who has dibs on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, claims like that. World's first. Very interesting. So moving on to some updates with regard to Russia, so, um, and especially with the food industry. So many, many companies have announced plans to suspend or halt operations in Russia amid the ongoing war with Ukraine, and many of them are well-known Western food companies. So we have food giants like General Mills, Nestle, and Cargill. But there are a small number of food companies that are still doing business in Russia, including uh, restaurant brands International, which is the owner of Burger King. But starting off with some companies that have cut their ties with Russia, we have a joint venture between General Mills and Nestle. Uh, they've suspended operations in Russia following the country's invasion of Ukraine. So this joint venture is called Grupo Bimbo SAB to CV and Serial Partners Worldwide. And the former is a Mexico City-based um, company that suspended their sales of the Bimbo brand in Russia, as well as new capital and marketing invest investments. And in partnership with Nestle, um, Serial Partners Worldwide has stopped advertising and suspended all capital investments in its business with Russia. So CPW, or Serial partners worldwide. Uh, they sell cereal outside of North America with sales in Russia, accounting for only less than 1% of their total General Mills sales. Um, but General Mills does not have any wholly owned operations in Russia, nor does it have any plants, employees, or distributors in the, in the country. 
Um, now, in, an, in a recent press release, Nestle said, we have donated products to food banks and local charities to help those in need in Ukraine and neighboring countries, and we will continue to do so. Nestle employees across the world are also stepping up to show their solidarity through a fundraising partnership with the International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent. Their, con- their contributions to support the people in Ukraine will be matched by the company. And meanwhile, uh, Cargill, which is uh, mini Apple-based meat giant, they're also scaling back business activities and they've stopped investing in Russia. It will, however, continue to operate essential food and feed facilities in the country. And late last week, the company said in a press release that the people in Ukraine are living in unthinkable and horrifying reality. And while it acknowledged that it has a long history with Russia, um, it is a time like no other. And of course, those aren't the only food companies that are suspending or scaling back operations in Russia. Others include McCormick Co., the Coca-Cola Company, Kraft Heinz, and McCain Foods. And at the same time, several fast food companies have also temporarily closed up shop, like McDonald's, Pizza Hut, and Starbucks. Meanwhile, though, Burger King restaurants remain open for business as usual in Russia, and if you're wondering why, the chain's owner, Restaurant Brands International, or RBI, said that its 800 Burger King locations in the country remain open because they're standalone franchise operations um, that are independently owned. So while its Burger King franchises remain open, RBI said that it will suspend all corporate support for Russian market for the Russian market and redirect corporate profits from the franchise operations to help Ukrainian refugees. But other restaurant chains like KFC and Subway announced similar plans for their Russian operations as well. So they'll, they'll also redirect profits and support humanitarian efforts in Ukraine, but KFC's approximately 900 franchise locations will stay open, as well as Subway's approximately 450 franchise locations. But regardless of the reasons behind it, food companies that are staying open uh, in Russia, this can kind of cause like an ethical problem. So along with economic sanctions, the aim of some businesses pulling out is to convince the Russian people that they need to take a stand in the ongoing fight against uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin's regime. So the reason is very clear behind why why they're pulling out. And of course, food is such a necessary thing, um, you know, to survive. So the more and more companies that pull out um, or, you know, uh, either pull out entirely or at least uh, suspend operations in the country is, is uh, there's, there's a very big reason behind it. So what do you guys think about, um, you know, do you think it's a legitimate enough reason to stay open um, because they're independent franchise owners or do you think that's not a, a good enough reason to stay open? I'm not exactly like uh, sure what is what is in the food company's power to do in another country um, regarding the you know the franchises. Um, so they, regardless if it's in their power to keep them open or not, um, I do think that they should still try to convince um, their restaurants or their businesses in Russia to stop. Um, because like you said, yes, they are like together, they can, you know, convince the Russian people and Russia that this is not okay. This is horrible. What's going on? Um, so even if it's not in their legal power per se, I do think that more should be done to like convince them. Uh, 
what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm also not sure about um, sort of like the jurisdiction or what goes around, you know, an independently owned versus franchise. I mean, I thought every franchise is ultimately independently owned. Like, where are the, fran- what are the franchises that are still owned by the franchise? Like, you're still under the umbrella. So I think this is just kind of like a, a loophole, kind of a way to sort of get out of, um, for Burger King to kind of get out of taking responsibility and kind of joining in on on kind of the san- sanctions and, and things that are going on against Russia. I, I don't know. I kind of feel it's a, a it's, it, it is obviously a way to put pressure on Russia as a country, but to put pressure on the people um, to come out into the streets against, you know, a regime, I think it's a little bit um, idealistic almost. Um, you know, the Russian people many people are also suffering and have been suffering under the regime and everybody has, you know, their own political opinions and, you know, don't really want to get political on this show, but, um, I think it's asking a bit much for, you know, Russians to come out onto the streets and, you know, I think that could even potentially instigate like a civil war situation within Russia if there are supporters of Putin or if the regime comes down on them because we know that, you know, a lot of people have been standing up in Russia against you know, the war and um, commend them for that. But um, I think this kind of a call for action is a bit tricky here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it can be dangerous and it can be, yeah. um, you know, it can really affect their quality of life of life as well. So you're right. It is, it is definitely a lot to ask. Um, and I think on it's, it's on a corporate level, you know, the, the major companies that are, have stopped investing in Russia. I think that's a better way, um, you know, cause it affects, even though people um, may not be able to work for a certain period of time, I think it sends a, a bigger message Um yeah. Yeah. My only problem with sanctions, again, as well, are that you know it's the the common people, the everyday folks that are going to, to suffer, right? It's mm-hmm. not the regimes or the people in power that are going. They're going to walk away unscathed. Almost, that's right. right. So that's the other kind of issue I have with sanctions and such. But mm-hmm. um, I guess this is sort of the only thing, one of the only things that. I guess companies in the international community can do uh, against Russia right now, but it's an unfortunate situation. So mm-hmm. we'll just see how things unfold. Hopefully, right. and sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And this is, of course, an ongoing situation. Some of the you know, food companies that I've mentioned by the time this podcast goes live may have already pulled out or, or changed a few things. So yeah, this is very ongoing. And I'm sure on a, a daily basis, uh, more food companies are, uh, you know, changing their minds or, 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 you know, changing w- what they're doing in Russia. So we'll, we'll keep you updated on this situation. But that brings us to the end of this episode of the X Talks Food Podcast. If you like today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the X Talks Food Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues. And be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media. 
email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalks.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.